What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 28, J.L. Fields, pressure cooking and air frying queen on her vegan transformation, learning to cook, and fat shaming in the vegan community. When it's dinner time, I got something you should try. It's crunchy, green, and yummy, and it's about to blow your mind. It's low on calories, and it looks like mini trees when you're having dinner with me. Broccoli. I am your host, Dr. Yami Kazorla Lancaster, board certified pediatrician, certified food for life cooking and nutrition instructor, certified well coach, and passionate promoter of the power of diet and lifestyle in preventing and reversing chronic disease and bringing joy and longevity into our lives. This podcast is focused on plant-based nutrition, habit formation, behavior change, and motivation so that you can have the tools to live the best life possible. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I hope that you keep coming back as a regular listener. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Welcome back to Veggie Doctor Radio. I'm so excited to tell you guys more about JL, who is one of my friends and colleagues. But first, I have a couple of announcements. The first very exciting announcement is that Veggie Doctor Radio has its very first sponsor. Yay! I am now being sponsored by a life insurance agency called Health IQ. This is so cool because they are a life insurance company made specifically for health conscious individuals. And they can help save you money on your life insurance just for living a health conscious lifestyle. So to learn more about them, please visit healthiq.com forward slash veggie doctor health iq is h-e-a-l-t-h-i-q.com forward slash veggie doctor and you can see if you qualify and use the code veggie doctor when you're doing that remember that supporting them supports this show and i am super excited and just honored to have a sponsor I'll tell you more about them later, but for now, go ahead and check out that website and see what you think. And the second announcement is that the salad challenge is starting soon on April the 16th. And if you're excited to take part in the seven day, really fun salad challenge, the challenge is to eat a salad every day for seven days, post pictures and put the hashtag Dr. Yami Salad Challenge. So if you want to know more about that, go ahead and visit my website, VeggieFitKids.com, and there'll be a banner at the top, or you can go to VeggieFitKids.com forward slash salad challenge. 
So let me tell you more about today's guest. J.L. Fields is just a beautiful soul. She is one of my friends. I love her to death. And she is the founder and culinary director of the Colorado Springs Vegan Cooking Academy. She is a master vegan lifestyle coach and educator, food for life instructor, chef instructor in the culinary program at the University of New Mexico Taos, personal chef, career coach, and a corporate consultant offering wellness training, brand representation, and strategic planning services. She is the author of four books, including Vegan Pressure Cooking, More Than 100 Delicious Grain, Bean, and One-Pot Meals Using a Traditional or Electric Pressure Cooker or Instant Pot, and The Vegan Air Fryer, The Healthier Way to Enjoy Deep Fried Flavors. This woman is the jack of all trades. She does all kinds of stuff, and I am so excited to have her on the show. So let's move on to our guest, J.L. Fields. I am so excited to have my friend and colleague, Superwoman J.L. Fields on the show today. J.L., thank you so much for joining me. I could have said all of those things about you, Superwoman, and I am thrilled. <laughs> Anything I can do to be a part of what you are doing in the world, I'm in. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, well, some days I feel almost as busy as you are, but you <laughs> phenomenally do just everything and fly all around the country and all that kind of stuff. So kudos to you. JL, for people that don't know about you, I just want to mention you have a wonderful website, JL Goes Vegan very active on social media and you just provide delicious easy nutritious recipes for us to partake of both uh, pressure cooking and air frying but can you tell us a little bit more about your journey how did you become vegan yeah well i um i've been vegan for eight years and before that, I was vegetarian for eight years. So this has been a 16-year journey. And when I went vegetarian, I actually was a completely 100% meat and potato kind of gal. You know, like flirting with vegetarianism was never even on my radar, didn't even think about it. And truthfully, I was, you know, I worked in the nonprofit sector for years. I was in Africa. I was in Narok, Kenya. We were opening a safe house for girls. For, who were fleeing female genital mutilation. And there was this amazing ceremony that was going on. And a male elder came into that ceremony, leading his most prized possession, which is a goat. And so this was really, you know, a huge thing. He's bringing in something that's so valuable to him. Well, they slaughtered that goat and stewed the goat. And we had that goat for dinner. And that's the moment I went vegetarian. I had the dinner because I just felt like it would be disrespectful. Um, and again, it wasn't like, it wasn't like something thought out. It wasn't premeditated. I just had this moment of, I don't want to eat this, but this is a very auspicious occasion. I'm a guest. I'm going to eat it. And then after I did, I was like, that's it. And then, um, and I went vegetarian and then, you know, really didn't think about vegan at all during those eight years. Uh, lucky me, my husband did all the cooking back then. So when I went vegetarian, I called him from the airport on my way to, from Kenya to South Africa and said, I'm a vegetarian. And he's like on it, you know, took care of it and did a lot of the cooking, most of the cooking for eight years. And then I just went on a cleanse one year. Yeah, I, I was one of those yo-yo dieters. Like every January I was on some diet trying to figure out how I got another 10 pounds back. And that particular year, instead of South Beach diet, instead of Weight Watchers, it was um, a cleanse with my yoga instructor. 
And it's a cleanse of no dairy, no alcohol, no sugar, no caffeine, and no wheat for 16 days. Good news is I brought four of those things back. Um, <laughs> but uh, I realized during those 16 days, I'm like, oh, I've been eating vegan. Fine. I'll just go ahead and be a vegan. So that, that's how it happened. And then you've told me that when you announced to your husband that you were going to go <laughs> vegan, the response was a little different, right? Yeah. When I made that proclamation, I said, hey, I think I'm just going to go ahead and go vegan. Now he's like, you're on your own. <laughs> he's like, I don't know what to do with you. And so I was 45 years old at that point. I hadn't been really doing much cooking for years. And so I was a new vegan and I was back in the kitchen. And that was really how all of this now the blogging and books and everything really all happened because I was a 45-year-old woman who made a dramatic lifestyle, dietary, and ethical change. And I just you know, threw myself into it. I thought, if I'm doing it, I'm just going to go all the way. So that's how it all happened. Well, and you have absolutely gone all the way because from somebody that doesn't know you, you have four books now, right? Yeah. And two of them cookbooks, one the pressure cooker and the air fryer book. And so from somebody on the outside looks like, wow, okay, well, she must have loved to cook all her life. That must be something that you've been doing forever. No. And in fact, I was a really awful cook. My family teases me so badly about some of the things that I, because I was just like one of those people who's like, hmm, what well, sounds good? I'll just start putting things together. And I, I made a notoriously awful. I loved it. Everyone in my family thought it was the most awful thing ever. And I cannot disagree with them now, but it was like, I think I literally did a can of Campbell's chicken noodle soup, a can of tuna, instant rice, and some kind of shredded bagged cheese and a bunch of garlic powder. Seriously, that's how I cooked when I was a teenager. Doesn't that sound hideous? Yeah, that sounds pretty awful, but yeah. well, at least you liked it. <laughs> yeah, what does that say about me? But what it does say about the way I cook now, though, is I'm still kind of the same way, which is like, how can I pull a few things together really quickly, but now I want it to taste good. I definitely want it to be vegan. And most times it's pretty nutritious. <laughs> yeah, and what I love about it is that they are very practical, that this is something just like we we're talking that somebody that doesn't have a ton of cooking exper experience can make in the kitchen. So tell me about your cookbooks and tell me how, how did you begin your fascination with the pressure cooker and now the air fryer? <laughs> yeah, so, um, so when I started blogging, which was pretty much within a few months of when I went vegan, and this is in 2010, I just started writing recipes and, uh, you know, I got lots of inspiration elsewhere on Twitter, blogs, et cetera. And then what I discovered that for me as a, as a blogger, and I use that in quotes now because I always say I'm the world's worst blogger now, but, um, not that I would think I was that great before, but I was just frequent at it. <laughs> um, but you know, I, um, am, I'm busy. I do a lot. I'm a, I'm a, I work hard. I'm a very active volunteer. And all of those things, which I think probably any of your listeners right now would say, yeah, me too, um, means that if I want to eat something when I get home, I don't want to spend an hour doing it. I'm not a fancy cook. You're not going to go on my website and find really amazing, exotic kinds of recipes. I want my food on the table and I want it on the table really fast. And I'd try to get creative, but I don't want to spend hours doing it. And so that kind of logically took me to pressure cooking. And so when I started pressure cooking, I would say that was probably 
within a year of going vegan, it was because, you know, plant-based diet, our major food groups, um, obviously are vegetables and fruits. And then we've got beans and then we've got grains, two really long cooking foods. If you don't want to buy instant or fast cooking grains all the time, or if you don't want to buy canned um, beans all the time. Not that there's anything wrong with either of those. I'm just saying from an economic perspective, if you want to save money, you can buy some bulk beans, bulk grains, save a fortune, especially with a bigger family. But then you have potentially hours and hours of cooking. And when I started this, I lived on the East Coast, so I was at sea level, but it was still made things faster. I could make beans in a matter of minutes versus an hour. Um, same with grains. And that was how my pressure cooking fascination started. It just became the way I cooked. Every weekend, I cooked in bulk, and I made lots of beans, lots of grains. And that's how I would put meals together all week long. Cut to moving to Colorado and now living at 6,000 feet elevation, that pressure cooker is a game changer. And there, um, when I moved here, I met so many vegans who were like, yeah, I don't really cook beans and grains uh, from scratch, you know, from dry. And I understood why, because it was taking them hours. But when I said, if you have a pressure cooker, you're going to be able to do it much more quickly. And then, you know, I feel like that was sort of my, like my, my mission in coming to Colorado was to spread the love. And so that was really, it was just a super practical perspective. And then the air fryer, frankly, I was like, what is this crazy thing? Because everyone was going on and on about these air fryers, um, low oil, no oil cooking. That's not on my radar. That's not the way I approach food. I have no problem putting some oil in my food for some fat and for some flavor. Um, but I think all of us, you know, why not choose a cupcake over a cup of oil instead of a teaspoon, right? <laughs> so I can choose different ways to get calories. And so I was intrigued by it. And then when I bought one and saw that it was a way to cook crispy, crunchy, fun, food that added a variety of texture, but I didn't have a messy, smelly kitchen afterwards with that oil. And then bonus, I didn't have to use a lot of oil, very little for that. I just was hooked and I did a quick search to discover that no one had written a vegan cookbook on it yet. So I jumped on it and wrote the first one. Oh, and you did great. I, I love my air fryer. I love my pressure cooker, but I want to go back to something else that you said uh, in the middle, which is that you can save a lot of money. Is it a myth that eating a vegan diet or eating a plant-based diet is more expensive? I think it's definitely a myth. I mean, it's funny, you know, I'm, I've been on a, a, a mini book tour with my third book with Victoria Moran um, called Main Street Vegan Cooking Academy. And we get that question asked a lot. And, it's, and I'm telling you this because I think it's interesting, our perspective. So I'll give tips on how to go into a grocery store and look for, you know, mushrooms that are on sale or bananas that might be going, you know, they're turning brown, buy them and freeze them. And, you know, like, because I think no matter how we eat, there's always a way to try to save some money. And what Victoria will say is if you've got the money, spend it on the food, you know? And so I think it's interesting depending on who you are, who's in your household, where you live, what your your income is, what expensive feels like might be different for different people. But that was my long way of getting around to no. I mean, you know, I can, you know, if I'm, I'm going to be swinging by Walmart tonight, because I'm going to be meeting a friend at a vegan restaurant that's right next to that, to, to them. I can buy a can of organic 
canned beans there for under a dollar. And so, um, so I think that like anything, we can choose to make more expensive choices. And you know, there's that you can find inexpensive canned beans, but come on, I know the size of your family. Your size is bigger than mine, Yami. And so you have four people you're feeding and you've got two growing boys in that family. You're going to go through a lot more beans than my husband and I are going to go through. And so you could buy a bunch of cans or you could even buy just a bag of, of beans, but you could also go into a store that sells them in bulk and buy cups and cups and pounds and store them in mason jars. And when you do the math, you've saved a lot of money. So I frankly think that there are times when a plant-based diet is probably, if not equal to potentially even less because we're not buying milk, we're not buying cuts of meat. Absolutely. And that's where a lot of the expenses go is in meats, but also the processed foods. If you look at how much it costs to buy a package of something rather than making it from scratch yourself, and there's more wins to just saving money because when you make your own beans from scratch, there is a definite difference in taste, I think. Um, and I do some weeks, I don't have time to make my own bulk stuff and, you know, eat the can and that's fine. But whenever I make my own, I'm just like, oh man, why did I neglect that this last week? Cause it was so good. I know. And you know, there's little tweaks that I don't think people realize. So, I mean, one thing, of course you can buy the no salt added canned of beans um, and then rinse them really well or whatever. And not that I have an issue with the sodium, but the point for me is, you know, what do I want to do with it later? And there's just something really fresh about the flavor of making some home cooked beans. And then instead of even adding, you don't ever add salt when you cook beans, you wait until later because you want your beans to cook evenly. But then you also don't know what you're going to do with it later. Maybe you're going to make a hummus one day and maybe some soup the next, but I almost always finish them off with either fresh lemon or lime juice and just take a bite of that fresh bean that you just cooked with no added salt you just cooked it in you know in water and then add a little fresh you know just that acidity from um from some citrus and it just gives it this really nice flavor and you're right when you take a bite into that you're like that's not a canned bean mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's just so delicious what do you think is the biggest mistake that people make when they're pressure cooking oh gosh you know i think it probably depends on what they're making on what that mistake might be. But I will tell you that I think there is one misconception that people have that lead them to being disappointed early on. Mm -hmm. And that is that, you know, so we're being told, and it's true, that when you pressure cook, you can cook food faster. Mm -hmm. But there is a little teeny tiny detail that I think can be misleading for people. So if someone looks at a recipe and they're going to make lentils for the first time, maybe they're going to make um, lentil taco filling, right? So you're going to make some lentils with some water and maybe put in some onion and and garlic and some maybe chopped up jalapenos and some chili powder. And the recipe says eight to 10 minutes. So the disappointment comes when it's actually not done from A to Z in eight to 10 minutes, because what actually has to happen, and this is whether it's a pressure cooker or if you're using your instant pot or other type of multi-cooker, it has to come to pressure first, which means it has to heat, build pressure to the point that it seals, and then it achieves pressure. 
then it cooks at pressure for eight to 10 minutes. And then for a bean or a grain, you need to use a natural release, which means you leave that pot alone until the pressure has come down, which can take anywhere from 10 to 12 to 15, or if you're making a huge batch, 25 minutes. So people will be like, oh great, this pressure cooking thing isn't that fast. But if you think about it, it took about, let's say 10 minutes to come up to pressure, cooked for 10, came down, even it came down in 10. 30 minutes is still faster than an hour and 30 minutes. And so um, I think it's about managing expectations. I think that the one thing as far as a mistake that can happen regardless of how you cook is overfilling your pot. Almost any pot, you're going to see a line inside that's going to say fill or it's going to say max for maximum. It's there for a reason. You don't want to go over that line with your food, water, whatever you've got in there because within those inches that it goes over is when you're getting close to that valve that can make or break the pressure process. And so you might not ever come up to pressure or food could get sealed or when pressure is releasing, food can come out of the top like foamy beans, foamy oatmeal, um, or a porridge because it was overfilled. That has happened to me before. <laughs> me too. <laughs> um, I think that also adding to your expectations, one of the things I tell people that even if it isn't as quick as they were imagining, it still saves you time because instead of being there at the stove, back and forth, constantly watching, looking at your you know timer and stuff like that, for a lot of things like the beans and grains, it comes up to pressure, it cooks, and then natural release, and it can sit there. You don't have to be like constantly on top of it. It's like a set it and forget it. Now, there are some things that you have to do quick release, and you have to be a little bit more on top of it. Otherwise, you're going to have soup unintentionally. Right. Um, but I think for the most part, especially when we're trying to do that bulk cooking, it's just, oh, it's just a lifesaver. I it really love is. it. And I do want to jump in to make sure that people know that when you're saying that, you mean an electric device because those yes. will, um, once you set the time, it takes care of everything to the point of it cooks, it stops, it moves on to warm. You could literally forget you were pressure cooking, go to the store and come back and it's on warm. If you're using a stovetop, you do have to tend to it because you need to turn it up to get it up to pressure. As soon as it comes to pressure, you need to reduce the heat so that it's maintaining pressure. And then you have to remove it from the stove. So I just want to make that distinction. Yeah. Oh, thank you for clarifying that because, yeah, I had a stove top at one point and I never used it because of that because <laughs> I love set it and forget it. Just like my rice cooker, my pressure cooker. I love, I love that. I still use my stovetop. On a weekend, I'll have a one or two instant pots going and in my GoWise electric pressure cooker. And because I'm already in the kitchen getting a bunch of food ready for the week, there's something nostalgic about that sweet, sweet stovetop. But I 100% agree. It is super convenient to not have to worry. Nice. You're, well, you're the expert, so you can manage all of that. That's great. <laughs> well, let's change gears a little bit, JL. You came to veganism from an ethical, compassionate standpoint. What is your message? What motivates you to do what you do? And what do you want the world to know? Hmm, I love that question. And thank you for asking me. You know, simply put, I, when, when people ask me why I'm vegan, uh, I really just say, if, if I don't need to eat an animal in order to be healthy and to thrive, why would I? Um, you know, if we, you know, 
I may not know all the answers about how an animal thinks or feels or if it's capable of love. I think they are. I mean, I think a lot of us have been loved by animals and we've witnessed it. But regardless, I don't even need to get into that sort of intellectual conversation with someone. If I don't know, then why wouldn't I just do the right thing from a justice perspective. If I don't need to eat you to be healthy, if I can get my protein and my nutrients and my calcium and my iron and everything from plants, why even take a risk at uh, hurting and harming a, uh, you know, a, a sentient being? So for me, that's where my ethical uh, perspective is. It's, it's simply a matter of justice. Why harm and hurt something when I don't have to? Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And so is your mission out to support people that want to eat and live this way? My mission is um, to approach people, whatever their motivation is, through food. That's what I do. A lot of times in the vegan world, sometimes people poo-poo this idea of food activism, which always just makes me scratch my head because it's like people are making a choice five to seven, if not more times a day, putting something in their mouth. And so if I can do something that's going to influence that decision to be a compassionate choice to go in the mouth, no animals, not their flesh, not their byproducts, or even putting any of their parts on their your feet with your shoes or whatever. Um, that's important activism. And so, you know, I teach cooking classes and I would say the majority of people who take my cooking classes do not identify as vegan. They do not identify as plant-based. They are either culinarily uh, curious. Their doctor has told them that perhaps if they ate more plants, they might not need to continue on cholesterol medication. They have a family member who's been diagnosed with some kind of medical condition in which eating a plant-based diet may have an impact reversing or at least you know preventing further exasperation. Those are the motivations for the people who come in. So I don't get up to say, hello, welcome to my class. It's about justice for animals. Um, but I do make a point to call my classes vegan cooking classes because I do want people to know that their instructor has a perspective mm-hmm. and it's a vegan one. But when I'm in that, when I'm teaching that or when you read my books, other than my dedication to um, all of the animals <laughs> and my acknowledgement to my cat at the end, I'm giving you food. I, and I'm suggesting that you make vegan food and I'm suggesting you make delicious food and whatever your motivation is to do it really is none of my business. But if I have made an impact on what your choice will be from this point forward about what you eat, then I, my mission is being succeeded, which is you know everything we can get to get to a vegan world. Oh, I love it. And thank you. Thank you for doing the work that you do because I know how hard recipe testing is. And I decided a few years ago that that was not the path for me. So I am very appreciative of those of you that do take the time to make us some delicious, easy vegan recipes so that more of us can choose each meal or some of our meals to eat this way. So I appreciate that. Thank you. All right, guys, I want to take a little break here to tell you more about our sponsor, Health IQ. Like I said, Health IQ is actually a life insurance company that rewards health conscious individuals by saving you money on your life insurance. And what's really cool is that they started with this quiz, this Health IQ quiz, and they analyzed data from over a million people and they found something really amazing. They found that 
health IQ men that had a high health IQ had a 33% lower mortality than low health IQ men. And for women, it was 47% lower for those that had a high health IQ. So combined with this data and medical research, they have been able to negotiate lower rates on term life insurance for health conscious people. So this includes vegans, marathon runners, people that eat just a healthier diet in general, and this rewards you. This rewards you for living a healthy lifestyle. So I want you to do is go to healthiq.com forward slash veggie doctor and see if you qualify. Use the code veggie doctor and see if you qualify to get special rates for life insurance. Remember that they know and they understand that people like us that are doing their best to eat healthy and exercise, um, involved in swimming or weightlifting, yoga, veganism, we have active lifestyles, we're health conscious, we're going to be healthier overall. That's going to save them, it's going to save us, it's a win-win situation. And what's exciting to me is to see that there are companies that are being created like this because it means that they are starting to realize the power of nutrition and lifestyle. So I want you to see if you qualify and go to healthiq.com forward slash veggie doctor so that you can get a free quote. Don't forget to use the code veggie doctor and tell me what you think. Tell me what you think about this process. Like I said, I'm super excited to have this sponsor and to support this company because I know that if we support them, we're going to have more opportunities like this that celebrate and reward our lifestyle. So remember, healthiq.com forward slash veggie doctor and use the code veggie doctor to see if you qualify for special rates on life insurance. I want to talk to you about something that you, you've talked about before. We've talked about together as friends, and that is the issue of fat shaming, fat shaming in general, but particularly the fat shaming that is happening within the vegan community. What are your thoughts on this? What is it? Why is it happening? Mm. <sighs> yep, this is a big one. You know, so when I talk about this, I actually put two words together with shaming. It's fat shaming and it's food shaming. And I think that they're both really, really connected because they both come from a place of judgment. They both come up from a place of where people try to uh, disguise it as care and concern. But I really think it's just an excusatarian way to be judgmental. Um, and I think that a lot of times the judgment comes from people's own securities, their own hangups. Um, but I kind of already jumped in and, and let me back up to tell you how I define food and fat shaming, um, particularly in the vegan and plant-based world. And, and I think that those two words are also important is uh, <laughs> some people identify as vegan and by, vegan, you know, very simply put is 
is to do everything in your power to avoid the use and abuse of animals. So that would mean eating them. That would mean wearing them. That would mean testing on them. That would mean um, hopping on a horse and riding them if you don't need to. Um, and so that's veganism. Plant-based tends to be more of a description of a way a person chooses to eat. And so um, there are foods that are vegan foods because there are no animals in them, no animal byproducts in them. But there would be plant-based people who would not refer to them as foods that they would eat because though vegan and no violence was involved in the making of the food, they don't follow a, a prescription of a healthy 100% whole foods diet. And so that schism has been an interesting thing move in the movement over the last couple of years. And so what happens is then people start to get judged by how they look. And so someone can say, oh, that looks like a vegan, not a plant-based person. I've been that person that people have pointed to um, based on my size. And um, and this is a podcast, so people can't see that size. So all I can tell you is that I have been a variety of sizes <laughs> over the last 16 years as a vegetarian and then at the last eight as a vegan. And so people, I was, um, you know, I, I, I'm just going to say it. I don't know if this is going to make it into a podcast I was in on recently, but someone had asked the question about, you know, is it a vegan's responsibility to, you know, I guess be plant-based and um, versus you know, plant-based like me, like a, a health vegan, um, or to be healthy and to not be fat. And that just question really made me mad because I just feel like when people are so focused on what a person looks like, assuming they know what that person's health is, because people essentially what they're saying is if you're skinny, you're healthy. I know lots of skinny people who aren't healthy because they're also starving themselves or they have an eating disorder or, you know, they have exercise, uh, you know, kind of, I don't, you would know the word as a doctor, over-exercising. Um, skinny doesn't necessarily mean healthy. Fat doesn't necessarily mean unhealthy, but you know what the equation is in both of those? Why is it your business? Mm -hmm. Isn't that between the person who's in that body and that person's decision and their conversation with their doctor? When I was at my heaviest, I would tell my doctor every year when I would go into my physical, I would weigh myself backwards. I would literally get on the scale backwards. Like, I do not need to know how much I weigh. I know how, what my clothes size is because I have to go shopping. Your job is to tell me if you're worried. And every year when I would get off that scale and we would look at my blood work and my doctor would say, you're very healthy. And I was like, that's all I need to know. So while other people were sharing their opinions about what they thought about my body size being too big, too not vegan and not perfect enough, my doctor was really pleased with my health and so was I. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of things going on. Um, one of them is that, like you were saying, people themselves might be insecure or anxious about the way that they eat or they live. But I think that some people feel that if in the plant-based movement, so the health-oriented movement, if there's people that appear what we judge as maybe being unhealthy, being larger than maybe we think that they should be, if they appear that way, that 
it means that this way of eating is not good. And so it maybe takes away the validation or the credibility of eating plants for health reason. And I think that that's what gets people up in a tizzy. And so then we start getting into these little details like oil, no oil, or, um, you know, nothing processed, 100% whole. And it just, it turns into a fight because everybody is trying to prove that this is the best way to eat or, or those kinds of things. So what are your, what are your thoughts on those when it gets very into the weeds and nitpicky in the, in the community? Well, I think that's the fundamental issue because let's think about it. How long have people been dieting? Forever. <laughs> Forever. And they go on a diet and they lose weight. And it was Atkins one year, it was South Beach the next year, it's Weight Watchers the next year. And so if we are using the argument of diet, then we are prescribing something that has already not been working for a very, very long time. It might work for some people. It might not work for everybody. And so when we act like it's a guarantee, it is a huge flaw in our argument, which goes back to my ethical compass, which is if we come to it from the perspective of do this for the animals, and by the way, some pretty cool things could happen. If you ate a standard American diet before you go vegan or plant-based, you will likely experience some shift, whether it's a weight shift, cholesterol going down, etc. I ate a very healthy vegetarian diet. There was no significant change when I went vegan. And so there was, so if someone had promised me there would be, then I would have been like, well, veganism clearly failed, so now I'm going to go eat all the animals. But if the perspective had been of you don't need to eat those animals and you can still be healthier or healthy on eating these foods that come from plants or derived from plants, then that always wins. Like the animals won't get harmed. And so that's why I keep going back to that. But going back to this, this health argument, it gets so much to the point where, I mean, one of the big gurus in our movement, I don't know if his website still is this, but at one point it's literally called disease proof. How on earth are we telling people that eating a plant-based diet or eating a vegan diet will proof you from disease, completely prevent you from disease. That's not true. There are super healthy vegans or plant-based people who get cancer, who have a heart attack, who die. So when we try to tell ourselves we're going to be the blondest, prettiest, be, look, look 30 when you're 70, do everything you can to put this out there, some people might do that and they might have looked like that eating meat. It could literally be their genes. And so we're setting up something that's not realistic. Now, if we walked out into a mall and there were 10 of us vegans walking out there and one was an athlete, one was a size 10, one was a size 20, but we all were vegan. And someone was like, oh, I could be a part of that because we would run into all of these other people who look just like that. I was never able to make the health argument to my husband. He was a meat eating, very successful athlete. He was in tip top shape. So if I was going to say, you'll be healthier if you eat vegan, I'm like, I'm healthy, right? So it's like, we need to meet people where they are. And I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer. And I get really, really intense about this because I feel like we're alienating more people from not being vegan or plant-based because we're trying to tell them that this is what it looks like to be that. And so many people will look at that and go, I've tried to look like that before and it didn't work. So never mind. And if we were more inclusive and didn't make those over promise those things, but promise what we know, you're a doctor, you know, a lot more about 
the, the, the science of it than I do, but I cringe when I hear people say it's the, the, the proven best diet in the world. We don't know that right now because the people who are studying things have all these different variables. Is it the best diet with oil or without? Do we know that? And, you know, and Mediterranean diet, from what I understand, might be one of the most studied diets that is very positive and they continue to eat oil, but they also eat fish. And so what do you do if you're an ethical vegan, follow the Mediterranean diet and then take out the things you wouldn't eat ethically. And you're probably eating a pretty good diet, mm-hmm. which happens to be plant-based. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love all of those points. And I agree. I do teach a lot of classes. I do a lot of education and, and you're right. No matter who you are, death is a hundred percent guaranteed. <laughs> we will yep. eventually die. I don't know anybody that's been able to, you know, circumvent death yet. Um, but I, I always talk about it as far as risk, because it is mm-hmm. true that no matter how healthy your diet is or your lifestyle, if you exercise every day, you get adequate sleep, you meditate, you don't stress and you hug people every day, there's still a risk. There's still a risk that you could get a cold or the flu or cancer or, or some other disease. And it's all about looking at ways that we can decrease our risk if that is something that you desire. But not everybody even has that desire. Not everybody is motivated that way. So it is important to be open to the people that are motivated for the ethical, compassionate reasons, or even the environmental reasons, people that are motivated by less waste and you know, helping to treat our earth more gently. I think that all of those are very great ways to decide to change something um, or great reasons. Um, and being supportive of that is important. But I, I agree with you that coming at it from a very um, open and honest way, and also, like you said, knowing that research will never be done. First of all, because the world is changing and evolving and the conditions change. So even if something is good now, I don't know what it's going to be like in 50 to 100 years for us. What is the planet going to be like? So it's important always to keep an open mind and to have an open heart as well. Mm -hmm. But speaking about that, do you want to talk a little bit about what you've experienced in your own career and maybe some of the shaming that has been brought to you? Yeah, you know, um, and I, I really appreciate the points that you just brought up. It's always funny whenever I bring up this topic, then people sort of peg me as like an as a unhealth advocate or something like that. I mean, like, and I've seen so many people do really, really well on a plant-based diet. And there are lots of things that we do know, you know, statistically people who are vegan, you know, do have a lower BMI. There are some, you know, they're, you know, heart prevention or heart disease reversal prevention. These things are legit, you know, and so um, that's different than how we talk about people and individuals. And um, so like one of the, the words that I just drives me nuts when, when people say, oh, that's a you know, junk food vegan. Mm-hmm. No, that's actually a person you just pointed at. Um, that person isn't a junk food vegan. That's a person with a name and you're being judgmental about what they're eating and now you've pegged them as this entire concept. Mm-hmm. And I think if people were more careful with their words and their thoughts, um, it would be, you know, in the, in these days in our society, it could be transformative because we got a lot of hateful things going on right now. But anyway, yeah, I've definitely been a target of it. So, you know, I was a very skinny meat eater. 
um, when I was skinny and poke, you know, smoking a pack a day, uh, was I healthy? No. And then when I was not smoking, um, I took up running because, you know, take one addiction and fill it with another. And so I stayed nice and skinny as a vegetarian because I was running marathons and half marathons and doing triathlons. And then I went vegan and my body was a little mad at me for all of the triathlons and, and, and half marathons and marathons I was doing. And I just really, you know, slowed down and fell in love with food, of course. And it became my career and my passion. And I definitely started putting on weight and you know what? It was glorious. It was glorious. After years and years of doing whatever I could to stay in my skinny jeans, um, to really not give a hoot about those skinny jeans was pretty wonderful. Um, and I was just happily, you know, doing my round vegan thing, cooking food and traveling around and teaching people classes. And then I became more visible as a vegan, as a, you know, as a leader in the movement and as, you know, with my books and my social media um, groups that I have, I have Facebook groups around different kinds of cooking styles. And what was happening is I would call people out when they would, you know, like try to say, you know, this diet is the best diet and it's going to do this or that. And I'd be like, maybe not, it might, or it might not. And, you know, you can eat a, a cookie or a cupcake. And what happened is I, I guess I kind of became a lightning rod. And um, an interesting ha thing happened last year when my book, The Vegan Air Fryer came out that, and I guess it was because I dared as a fat vegan to write a book that was about low or no, no oil cooking. And of course used oil in my recipes because a little oil makes a beautiful color, makes a great texture and great flavor. Um, the people went after me on Facebook, um, on social media, and even so far as on reviews on Amazon, they would leave reviews that actually weren't about my book, but would literally, um, one in, in particular said, uh, you shouldn't buy this book. The chef is fat. Uh, and that was, you know, that was, that was rough because then all I could think was, well, that was a person who dared to say it, which probably means other people are thinking it. And meanwhile, I'm traveling across the country, getting up in front of groups of 25, 50 or 200. And I'm thinking, wow, how many of those people are just looking at me going, sheesh, that's not what the last speaker told me I was supposed to look like. I mean, I'd get up after someone got up to say, go vegan and you're going to be skinny and you're going to be an ultra marathoner. And then up I walk and, you know, make some tofu for people. And it was really complicated for me. Mm -hmm. And so how did, have you worked through that emotionally? Is that something that you have to kind of reset within yourself and find your own confidence and know that you're okay. And this is the journey and the path that you want to be on? Oh, I'd love to say that's what happened, but it's not. I've actually lost a lot of weight this year. <laughs> I'm really mad about it. <laughs> I've had people come up to me and say, oh my gosh, you've lost so much weight. You must feel amazing. I'm like, I felt great a year ago. I, I feel amazing to you right now because you think I look better and you feel more comfortable in talking to me. It is super complicated. And, and the reason I'm willing to talk about it is because, you know, there are a lot of people out there who like, really have their stuff together. And I think that's awesome. And then the majority of us are walking around trying to keep our stuff together as best we can um, while trying to model the best behavior we can all within the context of being human beings. And, um, and so now I, uh, I weigh less 
and I'm still a body image advocate. And I know some people are going to have some real complications with that, but whatever. They had complications with me last year being too fat. Now I'll be the less fat, but still trying to advocate for people being happy and healthy at whatever size. And I'll probably get it from the other end. So whatever. (laughs) That is so funny, JL. Well, I can identify with you completely. I have to say I was very proud that I got my first internet troll. I was waiting for the Congratulations. moment. Yes, I, I hadn't had enough followers yet, you know, and I was preparing myself mentally. I knew it was going to come and I felt like the deepest stab was going to be when somebody mentioned my size. I'm not skinny. I've never been. I am tall. I have, you know, nice muscles. And I've also myself struggled with overeating. I, I love food and I love to eat it and use that emotionally sometimes, but it's something that I'm working through and improving on. But anyway, on one of my YouTube um, videos, somebody posted that I was fat, fugly, and unfit. (laughs) So, and they put it on several videos, which made me think that it had nothing to do with any of the videos. I don't think they even watched the videos. I thought that when I saw something like that, that it would crush me, but I had prepared myself mentally so well for it that I actually started laughing. I was like, this person has no life. I mean, what's the point of doing this? But it just, it does highlight that issue that we're talking about, that people, they have their own insecurities. And for some reason they feel better when they start judging us, Mm -hmm. but it is, it does make you think, well, Should I try to lose weight in order to better represent this movement, especially whenever you're so passionate and you care so deeply about spreading the message about something? Does my image, you know, is it something that I should be managing more? My appearance, not image, but appearance. Um, So, you know, I've, I've struggled through those things. And I wanted to, for people that haven't heard, there is a movement called health at every size, which has been out for many years. Have you heard about it, Jay? Yeah, yeah, sure. And I think it's really great because what, one of the things, especially as a physician that I tell people, one of the things that happens when we focus on a goal of just losing weight or getting quote fit is that it might not necessarily be healthy. Just like you were saying, and and somebody said before, you can use drugs to get skinny. You can smoke, you can do amphetamines, you can do cocaine. I'm not recommending any of those things. Those are not good things to do, but that's not necessarily a healthy thing for your body. You're just trying to control this outcome. But there's many of us that we are different sizes. Some people are naturally more lean. Some people are naturally have a little bit more body fat and they have more muscle on them. We can all have behaviors that do support our health. And that's a a baseline of getting nutritious foods, eating some good fiber and antioxidants, exercising, making sure that you have adequate sleep. And whenever you are able to actually follow these behaviors, which is something you can actually track and have a goal set, a smart goal set, then you know that you are achieving improved health. It's harder to just be like, okay, I'm going to be this number in weight or size And that doesn't guarantee that you're going to get healthier. So I I do want people, especially if if you struggle with your body image and constant dieting, yo-yo dieting, to look up the health at every size movement and how it might change your perspective on the choices Mm -hmm. that you make. 
And I, I think that's great advice. And I want to tell you that I'm so sorry that person said that to you. And, and I think that's great that you were able to just kind of like let it wash aside. Um, but still, I'm sorry that that person said that. I've, I've gotten that a lot. I remember doing a Chef AJ um, video. I, I, I love AJ. She and I are friends. And of course, after that video, because you know she does so much around um, the SO, like whole foods, plant-based, no salt, oil, or sugar. And the comments from people were like, obviously this person doesn't follow SOS. And I was just like, and that one I could just let roll off me. I was like, clearly I don't. You're right, 100%. But what you said that I think is really important when you say, when we ask ourselves, because depending on the day, I don't care. And the next day I might care. But the question that you asked that I think is such an important one is, you know, is it our responsibility to look this way, to look a certain way? Um, and what I would say is at, it's our responsibility to look every which way, because it goes back to if we're all looking one way and the majority of people don't look that way, if it feels too attainable, why would they ever join us? Mm-hmm. But if we just look like right, just look like people. Some of us are bigger, some tall, some short, some round, some rounder, some not, you know, some black, some white, some everything. If we are as unique as everybody else out there and we're saying there's a way to live a compassionate lifestyle that could have some really great impact on your body, definitely for the planet and the environment and most certainly for the animals, why not? And why not be an invitation of every size, color, age, gender, asking and inviting that in. I mean, I, to me, that's our responsibility is to be the best advocate we are in the body that we have. Oh, that's beautiful. That really impacted me. And, and that's so profound. And it takes me back to what you were saying about how maybe there's some of us that have it together. I disagree. I think most of us don't have it quote together. <laughs> you know, I think that most of us are just doing the best we can. And that brings me to that concept of authenticity you know, of being ourselves, bringing our problems, our suffering, our joys, our insecurities in an honest place so that we can all know that we have the same struggles. We're all humans. We're all fallible. We all want to be happy and to love. And I think that whenever we try to be this perfect, I've got it all together. I don't make any mistakes. First of all, that's not true because it's not realistic, but you're right. It makes it so that other people are like, dang, I could <laughs> never be like that. So I'm not even going to try. You know? exactly. And I'm just going to say, because I've been making a point to say this, that I love donuts. And I decided <laughs> recently that I'm, I'm just, I refuse to say I'm never going to have a donut again. You know, like I'm just, I'm getting too old. I've, I, I don't know. I just love donuts and I don't eat them every day. But I'm not going to be to the point that I'm going to sacrifice that to look a certain way. So good there, for I, you. I said it. <laughs> okay, next time we see each other, we're having donuts together. Yes, I want a <laughs> delicious gourmet donut. All right, so this was a good topic. Thanks for, for going on this with me. I, I yeah. love that. So let's take it a little bit lighter. Um, I want to hear what personal habit you're most proud of, how you achieved it, and how you maintain it. Mm. I am most proud of, it's kind of going to sound weird, but of my morning routine. Um, I travel a lot, so it's very hard for me to sometimes have consistency in what I do, you know, as far as when it comes to uh, 
being thoughtful with myself in the morning or exercising or whatever. And I feel like over the last couple of years, I've kind of crafted out a morning routine that I can do whether I'm in a hotel, um, whether I have to get up and out the door at 7am or at noon. And it's no matter how much time I give myself that I, uh, allow myself, I'm, I'm a Buddhist. And so, and I'm only bringing this up to say what I do, but I think anyone could do it in whatever their version is. Um, but for me, it's carving out time where I, um, I, I call it meditation and movement. And so at, at, at any given morning, no matter where I am, I will have some level of meditation. It might only be five minutes versus an hour um, for my meditation. And it might only be 15 minutes um, or up to 60 minutes for movement, but I'll do it. So if I'm in a hotel room and I have an early meeting somewhere and I have to get you know, out the door at 7 a.m. from the hotel and I'm, I've got a time change and I'm exhausted, I will still give myself five minutes of a moment of meditation. And then I travel with this... Um, I don't know what you call it, but some kind of like stretchy thing that I can put around the bedpost. And even if I just like like row for five minutes um, versus getting out for a walk the next day for an hour. But if I have my meditation and my movement in whatever form and in whatever amount of time it takes, I just feel like it sets success for the rest of the day. And, and that's taken a long time because I used to think it was all or nothing. Oh, I did, couldn't sit down and meditate for 30 minutes. I'm not going to do it at all. Oh, I can't go out for a 45 minute walk. I'm not going to walk at all. And then I discovered that it wasn't the amount of time that I did it. It was the value I put into whatever amount of time that I did it. So I'm most proud of that. Oh, that is beautiful. And that is so wise. And I did the exact same thing. I have a meditation practice and I always used to see, say, I'm going to have minimum 30 minutes. And if I didn't have 30 minutes, I just wouldn't do it that day. But I have found so much benefit from even meditating five minutes that no matter what I get my meditation in every day. And I can attest to JL's movement because she stayed with me a few months ago and she was out there walking every day and joined the neighborhood. So that's great. I love, I love what you said about that. Well, JL, let's talk about what services you offer and what you have available. You have all kinds of goodies for people to partake in. So tell us. Gosh, well, you know, so the main thing that I do in my career is I'm a, a, a vegan culinary instructor. And so I'm, I'm either teaching people through my books, uh, through recipes on my website, or through classes. And I, I run the Colorado Springs Vegan Cooking Academy here where I teach online, I'm sorry, hands-on or demonstration classes. Although I'm doing something really fun. I have a class coming up where enough people ask, I'm actually propping up a laptop and I, I have an assistant who's going to to monitor it, or I'm sorry, not a laptop, an iPad. And we're just going to stream my class so people can, um, through Zoom, can it can they can't ask questions and obviously can't um, taste any of the food, but they'll be able to watch the class and observe the class. And so that's really where my heart is, is, is teaching people. And so also in the, in the Springs, I go to people's homes and, and do what I call kitchen coaching. Um, and so I just try to find a way to teach people how to cook vegan food really simply. And it's either in person, uh, through my work, uh, and I have a radio program, Easy Vegan Radio, and I just filmed yesterday the first five episodes of a vegan cooking show that I'm going to be doing for uh, an online streaming network called AsyTV, ASYTV.com. And it's like available on Roku and um, iTunes and, you know, streaming from their website. And they're just going to be really quick, you know, anywhere from seven minutes to 20 minute um, cooking demos, just real world vegan cooking. 
Wow, that is so amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. That's Thank exciting. You. And so what about people that are not in your area? What do you offer online? I do online um, cooking lessons. They are so much fun. Um, so people sign up with me. Most people want a cooking lesson with me because they want to get their Instant Pot out of their box mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or their air fryer. They want to do more than French fries with their air fryer. And so I do these hour-long, what I call online cooking lessons. And so people, uh, we, we connect either via Zoom or Skype or FaceTime or Facebook, um, it, Facebook Messenger actually has a video, a, a video chat. And so I prop up my... Uh, camera in my kitchen and they prop up theirs and in advance we agree to a menu and they go out and they buy ingredients I go out and buy ingredients and then together for an hour or an hour and a half we cook together and we can see each other and we can see what's happening in our instant pots or our pressure cookers or our go eyes or our air fryers and um, and that is a blast that's really fun yeah and I could say because we did a video like that together we did that vegan mac and cheese uh, with gar- I did it with garbanzo beans and yeah. it was super fun. Like it seems like when you think about it, you're like, I don't know how that's going to work logistically, but it is really, really fun and very interactive. Oh, I had fun doing that with you too. And you really do. I mean, you know, you feel like you're in the kitchen together. It's, mm-hmm. it's amazing what technology allows us to do now. Yeah. It's so amazing. And you also have meal plans available for people. Is that right? Yeah. So on my website, JL Goes Vegan, if you sign up, um, as soon as you come on there, you'll see an opportunity to sign up for my newsletter. And it's just a way to get my, whenever I write a blog post, it just, just gets delivered to your email. Um, but when you do that, you get a one week real, what I call real world vegan meal plan. And what I mean by that, and I want everyone to know, I don't count calories. It's not a diet plan. It is a way to get back into the kitchen and cook some whole foods and then find some of the best things that are um, in the aisles or in the frozen food section that you can combine together and get meals on the on the table pretty quickly. And then if you like it, you have the option to, I, I have a what I call the three-month uh, real-world vegan meal plan that actually my husband and I created together. And so it's you know family-friendly, it's husband and wife-friendly, <laughs> husband and husband-friendly. And, um, and so yeah, that's, that's $12. Okay, awesome. And then you're always zipping around the country. What veg fest are you going to be going to um, soon? Let's see. What do I have coming up? I will be in, um, let's see, Colorado Veg Fest, which is an amazing veg fest. It's really ballooned into, they've moved to a convention center. That's going to be in July. I'm returning to the Atlanta Veg Fest uh, this fall. Super excited about that. And New Orleans Veg Fest, which is usually in the spring. It sounds like they've moved to the fall and I've been going there for the last couple of years, but I always update my calendar. If you go to jlgoesvegan.com and click the about section, you'll see my speaking schedule. And so I keep that up to date. Great. Awesome. So many wonderful things. So to find her jlgoesvegan.com and also on Facebook, your jlgoesvegan. Are you on any other social media channels? Yep. Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest. I'm all jlgoesvegan. Perfect. Easy to find. Well, JL, this has been fantastic. I always love chatting with you. Very fun, very insightful. And I appreciate seeing your beautiful face as well. (laughs) And I love what you're doing. And I just love that you and I met in Washington, D.C., going through a Food for Life instructor training. And look what's happening now. And I'm just so proud to know people like you in this movement who are out there working on behalf of the people and the planet and the animals. It's amazing. I, I, I really appreciate you. 
Thank you. I appreciate you too. And I look forward to us getting together and having some gourmet vegan donuts soon. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Have a plantastic day, JL. You too. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I look forward to having you back again next week. A very special thank you to the band Rocket Surgeons for permission to use the broccoli song. To find out more about the Rocket Surgeons, please visit their website at rocketsurgeonsband.com or Facebook at facebook.com forward slash rocketsurgeonsmusic. Also, for more information on my work, you can find me at facebook.com forward slash veggiefitkids, or you can email me at veggiedoctor, V-E-G-G-I-E-D-O-C-T-O-R at veggiefitkids.com. Sharing is caring. Please share, rate, and review my podcast, and contact me if you have ideas for future episodes. Thank you once again, and have a plantastic day. We're having broccoli. credit card bill.